Hello and welcome back to the Couch Sheehan Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been one of those, but what about you? It, I've been good. You know, I was thinking about today. Today's our 10th episode. This week is our 10th episode. Double that digits. We, that means we've been doing it for 10 weeks. I don't know how, but we... Doesn't feel like it. We, we got here. The NBA season is flying by. We're like, what, 25 games in? 25? For some teams, somewhere between like 24 and 28. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, we're flying through. It's almost Christmas. Gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting first quarter of the season. Next part of the season is gonna be really interesting because that includes the all, all-star break. Yeah, we'll start seeing some pretenders. Yeah, kind of show their true colors. Probably. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just kind of an interesting time. It, December is a really telling month for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into uh, the podcast, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you are not already listening to us on one of those platforms, and again, we are on Facebook as well. Uh, follow our like our um, Facebook page. Um, it's the image of this podcast, so it's pretty easy to find uh, NBA Couch G- or Couch GM Podcast on Facebook, and we would appreciate it if you went over and liked our page there. <sighs> we didn't really talk about who was going to do this quick recap or episode of episode nine or uh, NBA news, so I'm going to go ahead and do the recap, and Matt can do the news. Last week we talked about Fred Hoidberg getting fired, and then. There's a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff that has come out of Chicago since then about players going to complain to the uh, Players Association and players only meeting and then a, and then like a, a meeting with like executives and the coach and like these. So wait, Fred Hoiberg wasn't the problem. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? And, yeah, and uh, congratulations to Fred Hoiberg on. Avoiding disaster and ruining his reputation because yeah. the like it's just only getting worse. If anything, Chicago. does this help him? He's like, look at what I had to deal yeah. with. <laughs> so it, I think if you thing. went to a job interview and said, "Yeah, I had to try to convince Jabari Parker to play defense," I think they they would be pretty understanding. Yeah. Um, last week we also covered the Kyle Korver trade um, from Cleveland to Utah. Uh, but our big main topic, we debated a lot of uh, NBA topics, everything from Lakers trading their young pieces to choosing Carl Anthony Towns or Donovan Mitchell as a franchise building block. I think that that's kind of a timeless episode for the season, so yeah. that's definitely one to go back and listen to. I, I had a lot of fun doing it. I liked it a lot. It was fun. It was a good time. We uh, went... For like an hour and 30 minutes, our typical podcast yeah. runtime right now. So, um, and then we did Game of the Weeks. Uh, Matt had uh, the Bucks and Raptors. Matt predicted it would be Raptors 111, Bucks 109. The Bucks ended up winning 104 to the Raptors 99. Um, keeping the Is Raptors it, under. Yeah, under 100. That was impressive. It was a good game. Yeah. It was Gian- really entertaining. Giannis, uh, I saw the Raptors out to an early lead, and then I was kind of surprised to see the Bucks come out with the win. Um, Giannis has been doing Giannis Just things. Just ridiculous. Uh, my game of the week, 
was uh, <laughs> the Grizzlies Clippers. I predicted Grizzlies 108, Clippers 104. The Grizzlies won 96, the Clippers 86. And I think you made a joke about <laughs> either one of them scoring 100. I was like, nah, they'll get there. No, I, I joked it was going to be like 78, 74. <laughs> and yeah. it ended up being... Just uh, kind of in the middle of the yeah. two, but not a hundred. Uh, yeah, so good for the Grizzlies, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I forgot what. Oh, because they're just kind of interesting teams we hadn't talked about. Yeah. Um, what do we got in this week of NBA news? We touched on some of it already. Yeah. But so another trade. Um, this one, more players, more teams. I don't know how I feel about it because it's just kind of a weird <laughs> trade. But um, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Washington Wizards. Oh, so you're saying a deal? So, so you're saying Bradley Beal got traded? Not quite. Um, <laughs> let's instead go with Matthew Delvadova <laughs> and John Henson being sent to Cleveland along with a 2021 first round pick. 2021 second round pick and 2022 second round pick. All these twos. That's going to get really annoying yeah, here in a few years. Yeah. Expand the draft. Um, <laughs> after that, then George Hill, Jason Smith, and a 2021 second round pick went to Milwaukee. And finally, Sam Decker went to the Washington Wizards. So, like I said earlier, it it's a trade. So before in that Kyle Korver one you alluded to, that was essentially a, a swap of Kyle Korver and Alec Burks. Whereas now, the main piece is George Hill. And yep. that's that's kind of the big one. He's going to from Cleveland to Milwaukee. He provides more guard depth, I guess, more than what Del Vadova was providing them. You replaced John Henson with Jason Smith, who is more of a three-point shooter, and at least he's healthy. So I guess that's the thing. I don't. We talked about off-air. Like I guess this kind of helps Milwaukee because those are slightly better players. It, but like, I think if you were to come to me before this deal and say like, would you rather have George Hill or like Deladova? I would say George Hill, but I don't... It, it's not like you're feeling great about yeah, that. It's, it's not, not like it's like, so clearly Yeah, I would George have Hill. to think about it for a second, because yeah. George Hill hasn't been spectacular. He's been playing, but yeah, it hasn't been just this inspiring performance, and the idea, I think, more for Milwaukee is that you can get off of George Hill. He's only guaranteed $1 million next year. So that's something you can move on from. Jason Smith is around $5 million. So, again, something you can get off of a little bit easier. Whereas Del Vadova still had some time left on his contract. Same thing, uh, John Henson. So opens up more space. Probably just ensures they're going to be able to bring back Chris Middleton, if anything. I think that's the bigger yeah. idea and all this is Milwaukee's doing that. For Cleveland, I see the benefit. Um the king is back, Del Vadova. Um, and then you <laughs> the got real picks. reason you won a championship. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> um, and then you got some picks, a first, and then a couple seconds. Weird for, protections, right? I think so. Yeah, it was on that first round pick. It's like lottery protected, one through fourteen, and then still mostly lottery protected. And then after that, it gets really weird. Like the pick, in theory could not convey until like 2025 <laughs> but assuming the bucks 
are good in the year 2021, it should convey right away. Or at least in the playoffs. Yeah. It should convey. Which, again, Milwaukee, still in the East. So, probably still in the playoffs probably. by 2021. Even if Giannis decides to leave. Might still be in the playoffs <laughs> because it's that bad. Um, so, in theory, like, I get Cleveland's side. You you got off of George Hill. You can play Colin Sexton a little more. And you got picks, which Colin Sexton's been playing well. So. Hey, hey, hold on. There was talk that he didn't know how to play basketball. basketball. <laughs> we and need to do a thorough investigation. And the investigation was already closed. Yeah, he played <laughs> basketball. Yeah, he played. I found that, like, they said that. And then, like, the next day, I think, J.R. Smith got on social media and said, like, Trey Young was Rookie of the Year. Yikes. And then we haven't seen from J.R. Smith since. Man, it's like J.R. Smith hasn't been right about very many things in 2018. And then since then, like, Colin Sexton's averaging, like, 18 points per game, like, a handful Super of assists, handful of rebounds. And pretty he's efficient. A, yeah, like, fairly efficient, like, average-ish shooting percentages. And it's like, oh, yeah, sometimes you can't judge a rookie point guard in the first 10 games of his career. So. No. There's that. Um, and then Washington, I guess you got off a little money helping out the luxury tax bill. So, again, kind of get it. You're bad. Whatever. So that was the the trade. Hopefully we get, like, a weekly trade. So yeah. we, did, we had the quarter I mean, one. We had this one. up to December 15th. So, like, there's a lot of contracts are yeah. available now. Free agents um, who had signed on one-year deals, they're available to be traded. So, yeah, it might be popping up sooner rather than later. Uh, other piece of news, which Ryan started to hit on earlier, which is the Celtics and the Bulls game where the Celtics handed the Bulls the largest loss in their franchise's history, 133-77 to 77 in Chicago. Like, this was a home game. They got booed off the court. It's not even like, like the Celtics have been figuring out the last couple weeks. Yeah, they've been kind of, they've been good. It's not like... They haven't been that good. <laughs> it's, not, no, no, no. it's not like they're like a defensive. I mean, they're good on defense, but it's not like they've been an offensive juggernaut, which like you can't just like figure it out. But like, good lord, <laughs> yeah, just and try a little bit. Like it's like the effort just like wasn't there. Yeah, oh, it wasn't there at all. Like there was even. I know it was late in the game. There's like four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the Celtics were running like an inbounds play, and. They're right underneath the basket, like they're just trying to score at that point. There's pad stats. And Jalen Brown was like at the free throw line, literally just walks to the corner and they pass him the ball and like a defender just didn't walk with him <laughs> to the corner. And so Jalen Brown just took a wide open three and hit it. And if that wasn't just the epitome of it, then like I don't know what is. Like it was just ridiculous. And it was kind of funny. Like I didn't watch the game because I didn't think it'd be a good game and it wasn't a good game. But like it was just ridiculous. And then that led to like a player uprising in Chicago, which was kind of ridiculous. If you haven't heard about it, Darnell Mayberry over at The Athletic did a a nice long piece about it. Um, Some other reporters since then kind of got on in the action. Basically, the players (laughs) uh, weren't going to report to practice the next day because Jim Boylan wanted like a full two-hour practice. Um, Most players said no. (laughs) And in like private group chat, said they're going to boycott or the other option was to show up and literally just walk out like that that simpsons oh yeah yeah where he just like walks in in, takes his hat off yeah walks in a circle real quick puts the hat on walks out like that was the other plan um and apparently it was 
Robin Lopez and Laurie Markkinen, who convinced the other players that that's unprofessional and we need to at least go in and handle this a different way. So they did. Um, they did a players-only meeting and then a mixed players-coaches meeting. These apparently took like from noon to two, so two hours worth of just venting frustrations. And then some players went home. Some players had, like, a promotional thing to go to, and then a few stuck around and did some shooting drills with some coaches, apparently, and some light workouts. And that was it. And I kind of expected more to come out of it, but they've done a pretty decent job of keeping it in-house, as much as something as bad as that could have been was. (laughs) Like, they didn't really say what they were saying in the players' meetings out into the media afterwards, which I was hoping Oh, man. <laughs> Some locker rooms, that would have happened. Like, I just want to hear what Jabari Parker has to say I'm about tired of, of doing these suicides. <laughs> I'm tired of trying on defense, whatever that is. You do not pay me to run. <laughs> you do not pay me to play defense. <laughs> and, like, I'm just, I'm super curious, like, how, how this was handled. And then from here, like, what's Chicago going to do? Like, are there certain players that now are on, like, the list to, like, get out of there? Or are there some players that, like, if you're trying to, like, make a package trade that, like, you are now fully into the idea of, like, you have to include these guys in the trade? So I think the more interesting flip side of that is that you can't trade Robin Lopez. Because we've talked about that before, is, like, try, trying to trade Lopez. And if it's just him and Laurie Markkinen... yeah. Like, being the voice of reason here, like, you have to be professional. I don't know if you can trade Robin Lopez. Like, if you trade Robin Lopez, like... What do you have left? What do you have... Like, where's the voice of reason? Where's the... Preventing something like this happening again? Because you're going to keep the interim coach as interim coach. You're not going to fire the interim coach, I don't imagine. Well, I was saying, he's not even interim. They just bumped off that label. He's just the coach? He's just the coach. Oh, no. So, yeah. Okay, maybe you can fire. But still, like, I don't don't know what to think of this. Like, I've never heard of professional... Like, I've heard of having players-only meetings and dealing with the... But, like, thinking about boycotting the coach, like, that's... Like, the players-only meeting was, like, the positive alternative to what else would have happened. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just kind of bonkers. And I think this, uh, like we mentioned, or kind of joked about Fred Hoiberg, like, he was not the biggest problem. I'm not saying he did a fantastic job, but he was not the biggest problem there. And this just goes to show, like, Chicago still has a long way to go. And this is why free agents are not getting on board with the Chicago Bulls. Like, this is why you're not luring anyone to even take a meeting with you. Could you imagine uh, Wendell Carter's reaction to all of this? Just like, is this how it is? <laughs> is this how it works here? I got, like, Ryan Archidiacono running point for me. Like, th- that's kind of bonkers. So, yeah, probably not setting your young guys up for success. A uh, couple other quick pieces. Paul Millsap broke its toe, so he's out for at least a bit. Um, they haven't announced as of this recording how long. And then Gary Harris um, has a kind of a nagging right hip injury. They're keeping him out about three, four weeks. Kind of precautionary, kind of get that rehabbed a little bit. So we'll see if that's a problem. We'll talk about the Nuggets more in this podcast later. And then last bit, Joe Kim Noah signs and debu- debuts with the Memphis Grizzlies. What Just, a world. 
I know, right? And then I found it funny. He scored like 13 in his debut. He scored like I think I saw it was 12 points with the Knicks. That that like, jump shot is still as a like I saw a highlight of him taking it long too, like Joe Kim Noah does. Yeah, and it's. That jump shot might be the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my it, entire life. It kind of goes in. <laughs> it's like, it might might be worse than Sean Marion's. Like that chest pass shot that he Yeah, does. it was real bad too. Yeah, because that was bad. <laughs> it. I think Sean Marion's was slightly better. I mean, it went in more, so default. Yeah, I it guess. It has to be better, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the news. Okay, well, let's... Uh, this week, we're going to talk about some teams that um, we really haven't talked about all that much on the podcast. Uh, just kind of go in depth in their issues and their positive sides and just kind of talk talk through it all. So uh, our first team that we're going to talk about is the Toronto Raptors. I think it's kind of even more timely because last week ESPN did like a full... What was it, like, last Friday, Thursday? It was over the weekend, I think, they did, like... They sent, like, a ton of crews up there. Rachel mm. Nichols, the jump was up yeah, there. Yeah, exactly what it was. Um, and they did, like, a full, like... I don't know, day in the life of Toronto Raptors. I don't... Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting. And Rachel Nichols interviewed Kyle Lowry and uh, asked him about his relationship with uh, Masai Ujiri, uh, the president of basketball operations, and... Quote, he's the president of basketball operation, and that's it. He does his job. I do my job. <laughs> and then Kyle Lowry followed that up with scoring zero points last night. So, <laughs> uh, I, it, it was kind of an interesting comment. What do you make of that? Like, how do you make like, it? The, the Raptors are playing well. They're 21-7. But, like, there's obviously tension still about yeah. this uh, DeMar trade. Which is incredible because it's kind of that's been a couple months now, and they're playing well. Like yeah, on some level, it's like people always say like winning cures everything. Well, not not in this case. Like they're they're clearly the number one team in the East right now. I think, and and it's not mattering to Kyle Lowry. He's having one of his better seasons, and still not mattering. Yeah, Kawhi is very clearly a better player than Demar Derozan. Not mattering. Like, in this instance, it's not mattering. Like, it doesn't matter how well everything's working out for Toronto. Like, Colorado is still obviously, like, pissed. Yeah. Which I remember, like, finding out about that trade, like, the big Damar Kawhi trade. And it was, like, kind of oddly timed in the day, like, when the news broke. And I don't remember if it was on. Zach Lowe's podcast or a different one. They're like telling the story of like Kyle Lowry mm, yep. and Demar Derozan finding finding out, and it was like Demar was like in the parking lot at Jack in the Box. Yeah, he had just got <laughs> done with a movie and gone to. He was hungry, so he went Jack in the Box. Bad mistake <laughs> on his part. Yeah, anyway. I know. <laughs> and then he got the call, and then he called Kyle Lowry, who was like just already asleep in bed like with his like wife and kid and like so he just went to his bathroom because he didn't want to wake him up because he didn't think it was a big deal and then it was a big deal (laughs) like i just think like them finding out that way yeah and then it never really being apparently to the public handled like in a more professional way besides like thank you to bar appreciate it we're moving on here's why i think on some level like there's no way to redo that obviously 
but obviously like this has not been soothed over well between Masai and Kyle Lowry. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder. We talked about last week about getting the most for Serge Ibaka, like in, in terms of trade. Is Kyle Lowry on the trade block? Because he's been thrown out there before, and I think that's why he's, he's also upset. Years. Yeah, he, that's also why he's upset because he's been talked talked about being traded before. And so I don't know. I guess if I'm Kyle Lowry, I understand where he's coming from. He's upset his best friend got traded. I I don't at this point. You can't trade Kyle Lowry. Like you're playing too well. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't. You can't mess up. I mean. Unless, yeah, it's probably more next year because he he has this year and next year. Mm. So expiring uh, contract so in the summer he'll be an expiring contract if Kawhi either tells you he's gone or he does sign somewhere else. Then at that point, if Masai is just looking to get off of him, that's probably a more realistic option. No, there aren't a lot of NBA teams right now that want to pay. The rest of Kyle Lowry's thirty-one million this year, and then the thirty-three next year. Yeah. So I could see it maybe more in the off-season if all else fails. It's kind of interesting too because I think it kind of speaks to Kawhi's and Kyle Lowry's relationship. Like, it's obviously not there. It is strictly professional. Yeah, it's obviously not there, and that's kind of interesting if you're trying to keep Kawhi. Like. What does that What does that mean for Kawhi? Does it matter to Kawhi? I mean, it might not. It might not. No, but matter at, at the all. same time, like you have a player in Kyle Lowry who should be like the very clear or a very clear leader on this team. He's thirty two years old. Like, in my opinion, like he should be like welcoming, Ka- like Kawhi Absolutely. with open arms and trying to do everything he can because. Without him, there's no way Kyle Lowry is leading a championship team yep. just on his own. Like, with him and just dudes, that's not a thing. No. And, I mean, unless he doesn't realize that or thinks otherwise, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't be doing everything possible to try and convince this guy. Like, we need you. I need you. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. I, chemistry aside... Like you said, they're probably the best team, easily the best team in the East right now. But, like, that chemistry stuff has to catch up with you at some point. Like, where does that trust translate yeah. to playoffs? And it might just be a strictly professional thing where it doesn't matter. We've seen seen that with other, other teams, I guess, work. But, I don't know. It, it'll be an interesting... Subplot to the top. Yeah. That'll that might end up defining Nick Nurse's first year as head coach of the Toronto Raptors as much as anything. Like he's done a good job with the basketball stuff. Yeah, like getting Danny Green involved, letting Pascal Siakam just go nuts and be a leading candidate for most improved player. Lowry getting him to kind of whip the ball around, Kawhi playing well, all that is great. But if he can't kind of manage Kawhi and manage Kyle Lowry, then at the end of the day, like, maybe it doesn't matter, but if that's the reason it does matter, that's not a good look. And we know Kawhi's not going to talk about it. Like, that's a fact. Like, that's a cold, hard fact. Like, if you're not talking about it with people you played with, like, with seven seasons, like, you're not talking about it with guys you met six months ago. Exactly. So, that's kind of where Toronto lays at this point, and they're still in a good spot. Part of me... 
as a Celtics fan, hopes it crumbles. But, you know, at the same time, like, I want really good competitive basketball. And this is as good as it's getting yep. in the NBA this year's Toronto. The top of the East might Real be... Real strong. R- might be as better or as good as the West, which is crazy. I'd say this year's top of the East even compared well to last year's top of the West. When I mean, not quite, I would say top two with mm-hmm. Golden State and Houston, but everyone else that was kind of right up there, it's kind of that same deal. Yeah. So, yeah, the East, even though they rightfully get a lot of crap for teams six through 12 or so, they're, they're strong at the top. And Toronto is the leader, but they don't, I don't think they should just assume they're getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, though. No, because you're going to catch Milwaukee, 76, the 76ers, or Boston before then, right? Say, you got to catch at least two of them. Yeah. Because you got to catch one in the second round in the 1-4 matchup, assuming they stay in the 1. And then if you advance from there, you got to face another one in the... Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. So can, can a team that doesn't get along that's just you know maybe that's a little too much but doesn't get along go through 12 straight games of philly and then milwaukee or boston and then milwaukee or something like that yeah that's a lot of games to go through straight with a team that like doesn't get along or gets under each other's skin a little well that's the thing they haven't really faced adversity yet a little bit, yeah. I mean, they're... It's been pretty smooth sailing. Like, they have, what, the most wins in the NBA right now? 21. I think that is leading the NBA at this point. Their strength of schedule is 19th. So it's, like, average. Yeah. It's a little below average. So maybe maybe it has been favorable. They've played a lot of games. And so that's... Yeah. Like, they've played as many games as anyone in the NBA. They're actually one of the leaders in the league in that category in games played. So maybe it eases off. There's less back-to-backs, less less travel. But at the same time, you're in Toronto. Yeah. You have to travel. You're going like, to travel no matter what. You're living on a plane. So that's just something that they just have to deal with. And at this point, like, if Kyle Lowry hasn't figured out how to do that, and he's been in Toronto for, what, five, six years now, it feels like, something yeah. like that, then I don't... Is he? Like, just is he going to figure this out at any point in the next six months because that's when it matters after that he's just a trade chip like like we were saying yeah yeah it's kind of kind of interesting well i guess that uh, lends itself well to transitioning to the denver nuggets and you mentioned them earlier Mm -hmm. um they just signed Swaggy B, which yeah, uh, <laughs> which I don't. Swaggy. I guess the more I thought, I didn't understand at first, but I think this means that it is further out than they think than they originally thought. Mm. Um, so they need like more guard depth, and with the injuries this week, um, but Swaggy, <laughs> he wasn't even in the NBA. No, he's been out of the league. Like he didn't. Get a contract after this last run with Golden State, and he was okay. Like he wasn't great. No, I mean he averaged like seven points a game. He, he was played like eighty games in the regular season. Swaggy P. I mean, like he was he was himself. He wasn't creating a distraction, I guess. But Golden State chose not to bring him back, which might be telling. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But you were mentioning like they just need kind of depth at this point. 
Isaiah Thomas still out and really who knows for how long still. Gary Harris mentioned at the beginning of the news with that hip injury. Will Barton's supposed to be coming back here soonish, but soonish isn't now. Yeah. <laughs> soonish isn't now. Michael Porter Jr. still sideline. All those injuries. The 14th pick. Yeah, out of Missouri. Still hasn't getting gotten on the court yet. We'll we'll see if he even plays this year. But they might be taking it easy and just choose to, to redshirt him, essentially. Take the 76ers yep. route. Yep, just all your first-round picks. Just put him on the bench. And then Paul Millsap with that broken toe. Uh, no current timetable at the time of this recording for... A return. Like, that's five guys who are in your rotation or starters on if they're all fully healthy. Yep. That aren't playing. So maybe Swaggy P is a, is a borderline rental for a few months. Or maybe he's just a thing. I'm not sure. I don't know, think it matters. Yeah. But there's a lot of injuries in Denver. What if he just starts balling out? Just, shoots, just like six man of the year award type, the type. Air out of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't has a Derrick Rose like come back, yeah, come back <laughs> in his career. That would uh, be amazing. I'm all for that. Now. I don't think he'd get the same love Derrick Rose got for his comeback. No, there would be a lot of um, D'Angelo Russell jokes. There would be so, so much. NBA Twitter is is ruthless. Is ruthless in that way. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're talking about Denver. They have all that. They have they've had the 11th most difficult schedule in the league so far. So. That makes sense in the West, where everyone is a good team except for the Suns. <laughs> so, like, it's a, I was looking up the Suns. They have the num. They have the Suns have the number one hardest schedule in the league. Well, yeah, you're the worst team <laughs> in the Western Conference, and everyone else is in the playoff race. So, yes, by have, default, you have the hardest schedule in the league. So, I found that funny. But Denver's at a at eleven, and they've come out at seventeen and nine up to this point, which. Today is second in the West. By the time you listen to this, they could have fallen to seventh in the West <laughs> uh, because they lost a game. Yep. <laughs> but um, they've handled that well so far. And for a team that's super young, I think that's an impressive point that yep. we have to talk about a little bit. Like None of their stars are like above 25. And they're winning games like close games they had a kind of rough stretch after like week three but they bounced back which i think is something i really needed to see out of denver this year yeah they kind of um last year like they would go on stretches and then and that's why ultimately they didn't make the playoffs is that they didn't really handle those tough stretches really all that well um but Jokic is unbelievable. Uh, Paul Millsap has made a big impact on defense, which is going to be interesting to watch this this while he's out to see how they deal with their defensive yeah. issues from I'll last say, year. They're fifth in defensive rating this year, which I don't think anyone saw coming. No, when we talked about when we were talking about. Um, I think, like, our predictions podcast for the season, like, this team, like, just has to play some defense. Like, below average defense. Yeah. And they're going to be good. And they're playing half top, better than most of the league in defense. Yeah. And their offense is still really good. I'd say their offense is ninth in offensive rating, which offensive and defensive rating are on everything. But at the same time, those are two pretty, pretty solid statistics that they're top ten in the league in. And so, yeah, I think that's impressive. I don't, I don't know if this is helpful, but they're 27th in pace. 
Like, they're weirdly low in pace, and I'm wondering if that's helping the defense a little. Like, they're just not putting the defense in that many possessions. possessions, But their offense is so good that in limited possessions, they can put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And so maybe they've kind of found the balance of kind of just hiding your defense by keeping them, quote-unquote, on the sideline. Yeah. And just then letting your offense do things. Or, you know, getting out in transition and... Letting that, you know, just going for steals and things like that, and therefore you don't have to play like defense quite as much as you don't have as to put were. Jamal Murray in pick and rolls at, for God, you, thirty possessions. Jokic and Murray in pick and roll. That, 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 <laughs> it's still not good. No, like, it's, it's really not, good. not. But it's they're better at it. They're figuring out like how to use their bodies, like because they're the big people. Like Jamal Murray is a large he's person. Big. Yeah, like, and I don't think people realize like he's six four. Yeah, like man, maybe they do. And there was some some wonderings when he came into the league out of the University of Kentucky. Like, is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? I I still don't know if that's actually answered. Yeah. But he's he's a viable point guard. But man, he looked really strong whenever they were starting Monte Morris out of <laughs> Iowa State, which we saw him carve up the Big Twelve for like oh four God. years. Never turned the ball over. <sighs> um Jamal Murray kind of looked better next to Monte Morris whenever they had like a point guard who could just run competent offense next to him and let him just kind of go go like nuts yeah and just like whenever you want to attack or whenever you want to do things just go do it and let Monte Morris kind of handle like the responsibility part and it worked out really well for Denver yeah kind of got him through a rough stretch yeah um yeah it's interesting I didn't expect them to be this good in the west like I think I had them like between four and five yeah and that I mean law of averages that might where they end up anyway but top like top two in the west right now that's good that's really good and they've pretty they've consistently been up around there yeah they haven't hit that point yet and for it's not like the Portland Trailblazers where they were like the one a couple weeks ago and then and then, and then they were off. like the eighth and then they were like the sixth and then they were like the second and then yeah. they were back to the seventh. Yeah, where it's like Denver, it's just like you might lose one or two and you bounce back, you lose one and then you go win four. So I think that's been impressive. Um, last big note I had on this team is they're obviously known for their offense. They're they're known for Jokic and Murray. And even so, Gary Harris is getting more publicity this year. Paul Millsap's getting some love. Out of all of that, though, the team's actually shooting somewhat poorly from three this year, which for a league that's just going to three-point shooting, they're only at 34% as a team right now, which ranks 20th in the NBA. So part of me is like, this could get better yeah. for Denver. Like, shots could just go in because... If people get healthy, you have shooters. Maybe Swaggy P helps with this. <laughs> um, but maybe that's that's just an area that can still improve. And if they keep taking good shots, which they mostly are taking good shots, that maybe, like, again, law of averages, just says they go in a little more. And, yeah. and then that elevates this team even more to being someone who can actually give Golden State a problem. Maybe not problems, but a problem when it comes playoff time. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because um, I think Jokic presents a big-time problem for the Golden State. But news came out today, I guess we didn't touch on this in the news, that uh, Golden State assigned DeMarcus Cousins to their G League team. I saw that. I forgot to put it in. Yeah, he did. So... 
I don't know what that means exactly. I mean, is that uh, like he, he's a month out? Does that mean like you want him playing at Christmas? He had said to, Christmas time. That's what cousin said. Said that's what he said. Um, but who knows? I, I think they're willing to take their time with him because they're not in a rush to get him back. It's not like they're Houston where they're floundering. Yeah, yeah, not in the playoff race. Um, but I think. That matchup could be the deciding factor in whatever maybe playoff series, potential playoff series. If Cousins comes back and yeah. can then essentially just take out or equal Jokic, and then it's four All-Stars versus Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. Yeah, that might be it. I, you know, part of me was just thinking, like, is there a stretch of games around Christmas time where Golden State can bring back DeMarcus Cousins and part of it's like that's easier yeah and part of me's like no because no. <laughs> the West but Monday December 31st Phoenix January 3rd Houston January 5th Sacramento and then January 8th New York January 11th Chicago that six game, five game stretch might be where we start seeing him because otherwise, like their schedule is just brutal. Yeah, like it just is until like the beginning of February again. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I would bring him back against the Suns if I could, even though it's eight. <laughs> like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Take, bring bring him off the bench. Aiden doesn't even, like, guaranteed start every game. We'll talk about the Suns, actually, in a little bit, so spoiler there. <laughs> we'll talk about them and the thing that is DeAndre Aiden. Okay, well, you mentioned, you mentioned New York uh, a second ago, and I'm going to make a transition out of that. So, uh, New York Knicks, we hadn't talked about them, because I think one of my favorite—I keep, like, bringing up other favorite players, but Kristaps— not playing right now. Nope. It kind of makes them not fun. Yeah, he's been out for like 10 months with no time. Although, and his canter, my boy, and his canter. Yeah. He's like, outside of Embiid, might be one of the most like entertaining personalities to follow on Twitter. Oh, he's hilarious. And it's great. I love it. Um, but yeah, Kristaps uh, tours ACL, and we don't know when he's coming back still. I mean, I, it's. A 7-3, stretch 5, who blocks shots and at least tries on defense. What? There's there's no one like him, really, in the league. Yeah. Like, that's that young one? and does all that to the level he does it. So, yeah, I again, they should not try and rush him back at all, though. No. This is a lost season for the Knicks, with or without him. So... Just keep him out and make sure he doesn't. Get a bad pick. Get a good pick. Be bad. Yeah. Get a good pick. Exactly. And acquire like if you have Kevin Knox, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, Tim Hardaway, who's playing okay this year, and just like other other things around that, like another add yeah. another guy to that. Kyrie and draft pick. Kyrie and draft. Uh, what if what if um. They went out and got Zion because, for whatever God, whatever reason, the Cavaliers are trying to win games right now, um, and they ended up getting Zion. That would be kind of a fun lineup. Oh, Zion next to Kristaps would be the perfect thing. So that way, Zion 
doesn't have to defend the rim, but he can still kind of do that. Yeah. And then on offense, like, he can get some spacing around him, so that way he can kind of work in the post, but also take dudes into the post whenever he catches the ball on the perimeter. That would be, like, the biggest starting lineup. Like, Kevin Knox. He's, like, 6'9", 6'10". And then... Kristaps. Like, (laughs) 7'3". Small ball, no more. (laughs) Yeah. Play Frankie Smokes at the one who's, like, 6'6". Although, that's something I was wanting to talk about. The Knicks have, like, given up on Frank Neokita. Or maybe not the Knicks. Knicks Twitter. The the Knicks uh, beat writers. Knicks media. Just falling out of love. This is, what, his second second year? Yeah. Like, he's a second-year point guard out of France he's 20 years old he'll turn 21 in July like he was the 8th overall pick what what do you want from him I mean unfortunately for him he's in New York which is like the most scrutinized sports town and maybe the whole world and like when you see guys like Jason Tatum yeah just like in Boston, play like potential superstar, all mega star, and you end up getting Frank Nealkita, who's I think a good player. I don't think he's bad. I no, think he, at the very least, he's a useful NBA player. Yeah, he's a good rotation guy. Like he plays defense. Well, I think he's an incredible defender. Like I think part of it now, where a league where offense is just the premium, like yeah. offense is the thing, and you see dudes on highlights like you don't see dudes on the highlights playing defense like you see you First see the step back defense tony allen disagrees yeah hey i love tony allen but that's not the point the point yeah. is like you get on house of highlights and it's it's all offense and frank nilakita is averaging 6.4 points per game right now while shooting 41 percent from two 30 percent from three and that makes for an overall field goal percentage of 36 percent like, that's where the concern is coming in, is, like, that dude cannot shoot. I get that, but you're also not playing alongside the best player on this team. Like, yeah. it's it's going back to the Bulls, and, like, we talked about last week, you never really had a healthy team. Like, what do you what do you expect? Yeah, and I'll say, I'm not upset with Frank Nielakita. Again, second-year player. Like, sometimes it takes dudes a little bit of time, especially players who, like, they don't have things around them, like... Tim Hardaway Jr., not exactly great for fostering a young point guard. <laughs> yeah, just keep hooking, Frank. Just, it'll go in eventually. Yeah, the, the Tim Hardaway method. And, yeah, it doesn't work. Also, he's only getting, like, seven shots a game. Yeah. Like, seven total shots a game. Like, who gets in a rhythm? What NBA player gets in a rhythm only taking that many shots when they're young and they struggle on that side of the ball? What is that, like a shot and a half per quarter? Yeah, it is. So, like... Who who gets in rhythm that way? And he's still only playing this this is the part that confuses me. Twenty-three minutes a game. Like you're playing Emmanuel Moutier and Trey Burke Ugh. minutes. And maybe those guys are NBA players. I mean again, this kind of gets me the idea. Moutier is only uh, twenty-two years old, turns twenty-three in March, so pretty young guy, but he's playing this exact same amount of minutes per he, game. This what year. is this? His third or fourth year in the league, though? This is his. Let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, this is his fourth year in the league. 
I feel like by your fourth year in the league, you kind of feel like Denver easily like gave up on him. Yeah, way before they traded him. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Again, like what's the to me? What's the advantage on a tanking team? Who honestly, winning eight games so far is probably a little too much. Yeah, to playing. <laughs> Those two guys, Emmanuel Moutier and then Trey Burke. Like, Trey Burke is, for NBA purposes, old. Like, he's just turned 26. Like, we know what Trey Burke is yeah. at this point. He is a 6'1", small, backup point guard who is playing 21 minutes a game. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? Like, you are not helping these players that you tanked for right like what's what's the purpose you're taking the ball out of these other guys hands and putting it into the hands of a point guard who doesn't like excel in passing the ball yeah i yeah neil Lakita needs more minutes like 23 is really low like i probably he needs like 30 plus and that's saying like why can't he be at 30 and then just take Three four minutes from Moutier, three four minutes from Trey Burke, and you're there. And that's it, and that's all. And then Trey Burke and Emmanuel Moutier are just under twenty minutes a game, or you know, fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Like that sounds about right. Yeah, like that sounds like something I would generally be okay with. But again, that's just not how the Knicks have handled this situation, and I don't know why. <laughs> like I, and it, part of it's, it's just the Knicks. It's yeah. what the Knicks are. The Knicks want to put out like a good product. Because people still come to their games, like I think they're like eleventh in attendance this year. Even yeah, they are. Even though they are terrible. Oh yeah, and they suck. And part of me is like, you you go to watch the rebuilds so that way. When like the good comes, like you can really enjoy it more. But that's not why people go. They go because the Knicks. So part of me is like, just embrace what it is. Like embrace Alonzo Trier and Mitchell Robinson and Frank Nilakita. And honestly, see what you can get back for a Courtney Lee or a Lance Thomas. Something like that where it's like a valuable piece or like that bench piece for a playoff team that looking to make it run. Like get more and embrace this more. So that way when Chris Dops does eventually come back, again, it's not a super rush scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Th- I, I heard this floated. Um, and this will get us, I guess, into our last point with the Knicks. I, I heard someone float that the Knicks should explore a buyout for Ennis Cantor, which is crazy to me. You could trade him. You well, could get something back for him. That's my thing. It's like he's a very competent backup big man and maybe even starter for some teams. I'm saying I, I'm wondering, like, is there – an injury that pops up where someone's like, we still think like we're a competitive team and, and his canners on the last year of a deal. Yeah. Like he's one of those prime guys to get shipped out at not a bad number. And he's not that old. What is he? 25, 26. And cancer. They find his name. Where is he? He's got a 1992 birthday. So yeah, he's 26. He'll turn 27 in May. Um, so a little older, but, but entering the prime, of he's his still career. got another good four years in the NBA like, yeah. of really good years in the NBA. So even if you trade for him, like he's someone you could still bring back at a reasonable cost. So I'm like just thinking about teams that might be looking for a center, like 
I don't know if Detroit does just can't deal with the Andre experiment. Andre Blake and you choose Blake. Tell me the Hornets couldn't use Innis Cancer. Tell me like you know He's such I'm a good like offensive Washington. Weapon. Like Washington. Oh man, Anis Cantor in Washington. Like <laughs> but like that's exactly like something they could they could go with. Um I don't know if Cleveland got smart and was able to get off of Tristan Thompson. Maybe like there are there are options, and that's just in the East. Um, I haven't had a chance to scroll through the West and really think about it. But like again, you could do something for Andrews County. Like I wouldn't buy him out. No. Like honestly, either just let him walk like at the end of the year, or trade him. I feel like there has to be some value for this guy. Like he can score. Like he's what averaging fifteen points this year, fifteen yeah. points a game roughly. Fifteen points, eleven and a half rebounds. Now eighty eight percent of his shots are within ten feet of the rim. So I mean that's a little concerning. He's not. He's not even trying to stretch the floor. Yeah. a little bit. Um, so I don't know what that does for his value. Like if teams view that as a good thing, and at this point most teams probably don't view that as a as a positive. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe a Dallas. Like, if Dallas yeah. wants to make a push and you're still starting DeAndre. I don't know, just another offensive weapon. There are mix in there. nicely with your pieces yeah. currently. And not – he's a really good offensive rebounder, too. Like he He's showed, incredible. He showed that in Oklahoma City when they led the league in offensive rebound. It's not as, mu- as big of a value now in the NBA as it was back then. Rick Carlisle loves to do this kind of yeah. stuff, though. And Ennis Kanter, yeah, averages over four offensive rebounds a game. That's insane. Like, it's incredible, actually. So, yeah, no, he could be really helpful for a team that, that's trying to do something in the playoffs, but just is, you know, a, a bench piece short. So the Suns is the next team I have Ooh. for this. <laughs> the worst team I, in the NBA. <laughs> we haven't talked about them. That was the kind of the point of this was who have we not really hit on Oof. this year? Um, or in the in the first nine episodes. And one of them's been Phoenix. And for good reason. <laughs> like, I haven't wanted to talk about the Suns oh, man. to this point. Because they're currently sitting at 4-22. and 22. <laughs> Like... <laughs> They can't even score 10 points in the first quarter in, like, three of their last four games. <laughs> like, they're very seriously getting blown out by, like, 25 in the first quarter. How mad, how seething mad are you as a Suns fan when you see Luka Doncic just lightning, going on 11-0 runs by himself? And then you're watching DeAndre Ayton, like, fumble the ball out of bounds. Yeah, on a wide-open dunk. Like, it's just incredible. Um... So I don't want to spend tons of time on this depressing topic, but let's let's head on a few things. So, kind of on this trade idea still, it's time to cash in on Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Because next, what he's available to trade in five days. So I mean, that's someone who Trevor Ariza's only averaging nine point seven points per game for you. He's only shooting forty percent on two point shots. 35% on three-point shots, five rebounds a game. Like, he's not doing anything for your team. And honestly, he's not helping them be a bad team either. So yeah. he's not he's not making the situation better. He's not bringing veteran leadership. He's out there just honestly as lazily as anyone else. He's collecting his $15 million this he year. Is. And I can't 
I can't really blame him because no. on some level, you got to get paid. Like you got to get paid, and he knows like this is not where he's going to be all year. I, I think he understands that. Like he got his money, and then he's saving himself to be go be that guy for another team. Also. I wonder how he's feeling about this whole Houston debacle. Like, <laughs> you owe me more than $15 million, or obviously I was worth this money that you weren't willing to pay me. He should be texting Daryl Morey every day and saying, uh, you miss me yet? <laughs> Just like every day, every time Houston loses, Daryl Morey should get a text. And a part of me thought, like, you can, you can generally replace Trevor Ariza. Like, maybe, obviously not perfectly, but... With minimum contract type guys, you know, that kind of fit the same mold, whether it's James Ennis, PJ Tucker having to do a little bit more or, or whatever, and, and they just haven't been able to. And part of that's a Houston problem more than a Trevor Ariza, you know, promotion. He's but, not making them top 10 in offense. No, he maybe keeps an extra couple games in their favor, yeah. but not, but not much. But, at the same time, I think he could be useful, whether it's a couple games here or there, a game in the playoffs. Um, he could be useful for a team east or west. Uh, he's generally stayed in the Western Conference, so I imagine if he is getting traded here in the next couple weeks, it'll he'll try and request it to be in the West. It's been floated around that it's Los Angeles Lakers that are after yeah. him. And I heard that, too. And, again, we've talked about this topic before. Like, what do the Lakers give up for anything? Like, any trade that might be coming. I don't... Because they're not looking to move young pieces for a, a one-year Trevor, rental. Trevor yeah, so... The GM might might make that. <laughs> yeah, trade Luke Walton for him. Um, so part of that's like, I feel like that's an option if it's a buyout. Yeah. More than anything. I just... I don't know how the Lakers trade for Trevor Ariza, but there is some team out there that would trade yep. for Trevor Ariza, especially if the Suns are willing to take on money. There's definitely a few teams out there that could do that deal. So I don't, I don't know if the Suns will do that here in the next week or two, but that's definitely an option for them. I think the next big part is like, you got two young stars on this team, and that's a good thing. But I'm not sure they like each other. <laughs> we, I just, I can't imagine how this could be any more disastrous. I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of these seasons. Like, okay, you drafted a center. You had Booker already, who's a good, good player, really good player. But then you drafted a center with number one overall pick in a league that's trending away from centers, from traditional big yeah. men centers, post up yeah. centers. I just don't know what to do. Like, like you have two stars. It's kind of like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but not nearly as good or not nearly as yeah. like entertaining. Because like the, I just don't know what you do with Aiden Booker. Like I think eventually they're gonna have to choose one, and I think they're gonna choose Booker. Well, you already paid Booker. Like, yeah. They just gave him that huge extension for like a hundred fifty million dollars. So. By default, you have to choose Booker. If this doesn't, you know, repair out and Igor Kokoshkov can't, like, mesh these two guys and make it and make it work. But, like, there's already been multiple reports on multiple game instances where, like, Aiton and Booker were going at each other in the locker room. And, and then 
the Suns like give players about ten minutes after the game ends to like go into the locker room and get ready before media can come in. Again, there's been like multiple reports of like they were yelling at each other still whenever the media came in and like they didn't really care that the media came in. Like that's a problem. Like Man. can someone not say like, hey look, the reporters with the cameras, they're here. Stop. And they just kept going at you each other. You think that's something Trevor Ariza would say. Like, exactly. That's the point and... of Trevor Ariza. And he's like, no, nah, this is hilarious. <laughs> he's like, no, nah, I'm out of here. And, <laughs> no uh, one wants to talk to me anyway. Exactly. So. <laughs> so it's like Booker, he's been hurt a little. Aiden's playing, but he it's just kind of loose stats at this point. Like, he's not doing anything super impressive to me. He's putting up like 16 and 10. Which is... Just numbers? Pure numbers. That's nice. But, like, it's not impactful, obviously. You're getting blown out still every other night. Yeah. He never looks, like, ready to start a game. Like, he's always a step slow. And then, to me, the biggest problem, and mentioned this whenever the draft was around, mentioned this whenever the season was starting, and we were talking about, like, Rookie of the Year and, you know, these young teams building. Like, DeAndre Ayton, as much as anything, his his problem is like his attitude yeah like the guy kind of sounds like a loser (laughs) and like that's coming i mean that in the meanest way possible (laughs) like i really do like talked about uh in a post-game interview after they played the clippers and he's talking about like having to go against like boban and he's like yeah I got treated like a rookie today. <laughs> and, you know, like, yeah, he really worked me. I, I had absolutely no answers for him. Like, I I can appreciate the candid nature of the interview. You're also the number one overall pick. But, like, you're 7'2", also. <laughs> like, go do something. Oh, <laughs> like, that just really pisses me off to hear that. Like, oh, that, my like, gosh. He's like, yeah, he really worked me. That's not what you're supposed to say. Like, you may be thinking it, and he says a lot of what he's thinking. And, you know, as someone who just, like, enjoys, like, NBA commentary, like, I can I can get on board with it. But at the same time, I want him to say, like, something more along the lines of, he worked me, but I got him also, and next time, I'm going to make sure... He yeah. knows that I want to get him again. This this might be my welcome to the league moment, but um, I I I remember I'll remember this or something yeah, like that. Give, something. Give me that Russell Westbrook like no one is my friend mentality. That edge and that he does not have it. And he said that a few times. And it's like, okay, are you getting treated like a rookie by everyone out here? Like I know Stephen Adams is a pain. <laughs> like, but dude, like he's not at all. He's not like. These the, those two players you just named are not all star centers. No, and they're just big guys. And it's like, how are you like this thrown off by a big guy? You're. I looked it up. According to Basketball Reference, he's seven one two fifty. Like, are these guys really that much bigger than you, or like that much more like hit grueling? the weight room? Like, to me, like DeAndre Ayton, it just sounds kind of like a losing mentality already. Yeah. And that's the exact opposite of what, like, the Suns needed. For a team that was already losing and embracing tanking, like, you want guys who are young and that you can develop, but guys who, like, want to get better or, like, want to elevate this team. They thought they thought the Suns, I've heard this reported a couple times, that they were going to be a edge playoff team this year. 
And they're not even close. Oh, like, and that's the thing. Like, these games, they're losing. It's not just that they lost 22 games. It's like, it doesn't... It doesn't even matter, like, half of them. Like, they were just out when the, you know, ball was thrown up and tip-off came. Like, it it didn't come close to being in the game at all. And I know the West is hard. Like, we've we said it. Everyone knows the West is hard. Everyone knows it's a grueling schedule. Game in, game out. But, like... The Kings are winning games this year. Like, it's not like... <laughs> Yeah, part of me just says, like, you can't use that as an excuse, really. Like, yeah. the, the schedule's hard. Everyone's schedule's hard. Yeah. Like, it's the NBA. That's kind of the point of this. I just, I can't really wrap my mind around, like, where the Suns are going. You turn the ball over a lot. Um, I guess, positive, TJ Warren's been nice. Um, you had paid him a couple of years ago, I think it was, and that contract... Um, is is kind of kicking in. Uh, he's currently on a deal that is <laughs> it's in the first year of a four million dollar or a four year extension for fifty million dollars. So you kind of paid him a little preemptively. It averages out to be about twelve million dollars a year. This year he's shooting forty five percent from three which he hasn't really been a three-point shooter, that's going to regress to probably 35 to 40% somewhere in there. But that's a nice player. Yep. If you can have a good role player or like a fourth or fifth starter on the wing shooting high 30s, low 40s from three, that's valuable for that contract. But outside of that, like, there's no positives outside of Devin Booker, <laughs> like, in my mind. They did still numbers. haven't figured out their point guard situation. Somehow, like out of out of all the things that have come about, like they still don't know that. Like they're still playing like Elia Kobo, who was like a second round pick. They cut Isaiah Cannon, or however you pronounce his last name. Like he, they like, try to change the pronunciation of his last name, Kanan, <laughs> or whatever it is. I'm not here for that. So. You're Isaiah Cannon. I'm sorry, <laughs> but like. Jawan Evans just got on a two-way contract with the Phoenix Suns. Man, uh, he's been balling. He's been balling in the G League, but like that's kind of where they're at. They have a guy named DeAnthony Melton who they got from Houston in the Ryan Anderson deal, who most people view as an NBA player, but he's pretty exclusively been in the G League this year. So a guy who can kind of play point guard, Elio Kobo, kind of a guy who can play point guard, both living in the G League. I don't get it when you don't have a NBA point. Like, why not? Roster. You're you're you have four wins. You're not making the playoffs. Say, it really can't get much worse than this. Like, uh, whatever. We're moving yeah, on from the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. You suck. This is probably the last time we'll talk about them on the podcast mm-hmm. unless they're in some blockbuster trade, which could happen. Um, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. I think much more interesting. Um, they're sixteen and ten. Kind of a fourth in the as of this recording right now fourth in the East. Yeah, I think so. Uh, which is kind of where I think everyone expected them to be. Um, outside looking in of that big top three in the East, mm-hmm. um, they're twenty fifth in points per game. I thought this was interesting. Twenty fifth in points per game, twenty third in rebounds per game, but first in opponents points per game. All about the defense, which is good, I guess. Uh, they're top five in three-point percentage and sixth in field goal percentage. Field goal percentage. 
But this is my big point with them. Are they actually contending? Like, are they actually up there with the Sixers in Toronto, who we talked about earlier in Boston? Like, are you legit contending? Because, like, the piece they got this year in the offseason was Tyreek Evans, who, like, I love that signing. Like, come off the bench, scoring. But he just has been okay this season. He's only averaging 10 points per game. Like, he's taking way less shots than he did last year in Memphis just by default because he was the only guy in Memphis really last year. And averaging around 36% in field goal percentage. So, like, okay. Yeah. He's just been fine. So, it's like, did he really make your team better? better? I guess he gave you depth. Just more depth. And so that's that's worth something. The positive thing, Sabonis is playing really well this year. He's been incredible. He's been really good this year. He's been super efficient, like going 8 for 8, 10 of 10 in games. I was thinking every time I watch them, I feel like he's <laughs> hasn't missed a shot. And that's kind of reflected in his stats. Like, he's shooting 63% from two-point range. So overall, his effective field goal percentage is... 65%. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he shoots, you know, a three every now and again. So it's not like he's just in the, you know, three feet from the rim. Right. Mostly, but not always. Yeah. I don't know. It, I don't. I just don't know what to make of it, Indiana. Like, are you, are you legit in a playoff series? Can you win four games against Philadelphia, Boston, or Toronto? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't... Probably not. Like, you can make it interesting like you did last year with Cleveland. I'll say take it to seven. But yeah, I'll... Part of me, first instinct said, yeah, they can beat Philly. But then part of me is like, well, Jimmy Butler is apparently hitting all the game winners this year. Yeah. So, maybe not. And then, you know, Milwaukee just looks so good. They don't have anybody who can... I mean, not very many people can defend Giannis, but there's not a good matchup there for them. And then same thing even with Toronto and Kawhi, like Oladipo at his best just gives him problems, but doesn't really shut him down. Maybe Boston. Maybe. If if Boston just gets into one of their slumps, because they've been either real high or real low so far this year. If they catch him on a low point, then yeah, probably... They could. They have a chance. I mean, yeah, a, a fighter's chance, I guess. But like, when you're below below average, way below average in points per game, when teams are gonna push the ball and you're gonna get more possessions. Yeah. What happens when you can't slow the game yeah. down? Can you keep up? And and part of me is like, well, Oladipo's only played 16 games. That's maybe that. You know, balances out to where like it does help them, but then part of me is like, well, they played the twenty ninth easiest, or like you know the second, the second easiest, easiest schedule. schedule. Yeah, twenty ninth most difficult schedule this year. So like their schedule's been favorable, and again, part of that's being in the East. Yeah, like if you play in the Eastern Conference, like your schedule is just easier because they're easier. There's more teams that are bad. The top's hard, but outside of that, like you can run through the rest with somewhat ease. I just, yeah, they're kind of this weird team. Like, I don't know what to make of them. And I think you you raised, like, the most important question. What are they going to do in the playoffs? Probably get bounced in the first or second round. So I'm going to make this comparison, and you might disagree, but I think they're the new Toronto Raptors. 
Mmm. So, like, these DeMar, Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Like, really good in regular season. Good front, like, good depth. Yeah. But can't, don't really have what, like, they have good pieces. Like, Miles Turner, good piece. DeMontis Sabonis, good piece. But what does that equate to in the playoffs? Like, is Miles Turner going to be able to keep up with Joel Embiid? Obviously not. No? Like, not saying this is this is actually really cool because it's like, it really is like Toronto Raptors light. Like, you go from Kyle Lowry to Dar- Darren Collison. DeMar, DeMar and Oladipo are pretty pretty equal, but DeMar's a little more proven. Yeah. Serge, Miles Turner, <laughs> Valanchunas, Sabonis. Like, it really is just like Toronto light. Yeah. And you're probably right. Like, they probably just kind of middle out and you hope you can hit right on the picks where, like, Toronto was able to get, you know, Van Fleet and DeLon Wright and Norman Powell and picks like that and make the most out of them, Pascal Siakam. And Tor- or, uh, Indiana kind of has to hope, like, if that does how go how their future goes, that they can equally hit on those type of dudes. Well, that's the thing. I think that's the one thing Indiana has going from, for them is that they're going to try hard. Like, they're going to be that team that's going to yeah. supposed to grind you out. They got the free agent signing this year. It just hasn't worked out so far. And maybe he'll flip that around. But, like, maybe you can flip Tyreek Evans for something. Because he's only, what, on a... He's not on a big deal, is he? He's, like... Yeah, I think it was a short term. I think it was, like, a one-year, $12 million deal. Because, again, the huge amount of money that's going to be available this summer, he was looking to get on it. Yeah, it's just a one-year, $12 million deal. So... So, He's trying to get in on the money next summer. If you feel like you can move him, like you can move him and get some more pieces, maybe picks yeah. or something else. I don't know. It, it's just a weird spot for Indiana because it's they're like in the middle of the NBA, which is arguably the worst spot to be in. But they're on the higher middle. Higher to where middle. It's like to me, like the the worst part is when you're like a barely getting into the playoffs as, like, the seven seed every single year. Yeah. They're at least in the top five, knowing the top four is really just, like, this elite category in the East, and you're just, like, that first team in the next next tier. Which is fine. Um, but, I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting... What what can you do in the playoffs? Last year, everyone, they were one game away from eliminating Cavaliers, which is fine, but you didn't. So, yeah, that's the thing. But you didn't. So, like, I don't know. I, I think what they have is going to be interesting to monitor. I don't know if we'll talk about them much the rest of the season because they're going to keep winning games. They're going to be good. Not saying they're going to win two, lose one. Win two, yeah. lose one. And they're just not going to be exciting. And you're like, oh, wow, look at those Sabonis, like, super consistent numbers. And then that's just it. Yeah. So, I, I agree. This is not. Not guaranteed the last time we talked about the Pacers, but unless something changes, this is kind of their trajectory. Yeah. And that's and that's okay. All right, last team. Uh, we we keep, sh- like, shouting out this player, but <laughs> not really this team. Dallas. Mavericks. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't you mean the uh, Luka Mavericks? It's it feels Dallas. like it. It does It's not. And I talked about earlier, is that 11 a run? That's, that kid is special. Bonkers. So, like, Zach Lowe had Tim McMahon on his podcast the other day. And um, Tim, Tim McMahon for ESPN was at that game. And 
he said just like that was one of the most incredible things like watching Luca just step back step back just all over Houston and Houston just couldn't do anything about it let me remind you that people thought he wasn't number one pick worthy but I know let's just because <laughs> leave that there because he didn't do it against Wichita State like in college he instead was doing it against you know all the major teams in Europe that like we didn't think it translate who guess here we are <laughs> His, 24 games into the year Dallas that, is 13 11 and that, he's their best player that step back against uh uh, Clint Capella to oh end the gosh. game. He he knew how much distance he needed. Like it was just so perfectly calculated, and you could tell. Like he oh, was he feeling knew. it. He knew yeah. it was going in. Like Clint Capella, like by the end of that step back, was like standing in the paint. Yeah, he was like a good like six seven feet away from Luka Doncic when he let that ball fly. Like there, and part of that. Probably that's a Capella problem. Yeah. Because he doesn't look the same this year. But... He got paid. Capella last year wasn't stopping him either on that play. What what they're doing with him, I think, is perfect. Like, they're letting him be the guy who runs the offense. But Dennis Smith Jr. still gets his touches. Harrison Barnes still gets his touches. Wes Matthews still gets his touches. But the main guy is very clearly Luka Doncic on this team. Oh, man. It's just so fun to watch. Like, I haven't had this much fun watching a rookie in a long time. It's just this... His personality is big, too, so it's just like... This somewhat pudgy white guy (laughs) wearing number 77. As a guard. (laughs) Like... I don't know. It's just hilarious. And, like, just what he does, too, with the ball. Yeah. Like, just the way he can, like, start going and then just stop. And you see, like, the defender just fly (laughs) by. And then just, like, he's just out there just knocking down threes at a super efficient rate. Like, he's shooting 38% from three this year as a quote-unquote rookie. Is he eligible for rookie of the year, considering he's played professional basketball for, like, five years? Okay, if Ben Simmons was getting paid (laughs) to sit on the bench and be injured, then, yes, Luka Doncic is, is rookie of the year. Okay. Uh, just need In to my opinion. That. <laughs> um, yeah, he's like 18 points a game, six and a half rebounds, four assists. Like, he doesn't have to be the guy with the ball in his hands. Like, Dennis Smith Jr. is still around four assists. J.J. Brea is at like six assists a Good game. God. And that's another point. The bench is good, too. That's yeah. why the it's like, yeah, we, yes, we love Luka. But, like, the bench has been... Like, like, Rick Carlisle is getting the most out of this team, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith, who is a player, he's a small forward. I was a little worried that the shooting wouldn't come around. Um, he's out of Florida. But it, it has so far this year. Like, Maxi Kleba is, like, a good backup big man. And then Jalen Brunson, rookie guard out of Villanova. Mm. You know, part of those championship teams. And... Sneaky part of the end of that game was like him back cutting Chris Paul for like an easy layup to actually secure the game after Luca's step back. And it's like he was just playing super hard. Jalen Brunson's like playing minutes like pretty much every game for this team. Like they figured it out. And Devin Harris is still on this team. Like Good Lord. I know. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Like Devin Harris is still on this team. Um, and it's just funny. Like Devin Harris. 
is like a 14 year NBA vet. That's <laughs> like, insane. That's just, yeah. That's I remember bonkers. playing like uh, old NBA games with him on the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. I know, like, I still have like. I think his rookie card when he was coming out of the University of Wisconsin, <laughs> and it was like I was like in like second grade or something. That's amazing. Like, yeah, it was or no, it was, it was more than that or older than that. But yeah, like that idea of like, oh my gosh, Devin Harris, and he still like kind of contributes. Yeah, he's like the type of veteran who is in your locker room being helpful to this team, as opposed to some of the others we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, Dallas, like they have a good bench. They've done a pretty decent job of, like, staggering minutes. They've done a good job of, like, letting Harrison Barnes still be an ISO guy. But I think one of the stats Tim McMahon brought up was, like, his ISO possessions have been cut in half this year, where it's still still a lot of ISO possessions for Harrison Barnes. He still gets his just ridiculous touches. Yeah. It's just cut back to a degree to where, like, it can be an efficient weapon on a good team. Yeah. Whereas last year it was just we're bad, just do whatever. Right. It's it's different this year. And it's because Luka Doncic can run the team and everyone else can just do their thing off of him. And then he can still close. Yeah. Like it all comes back to this white Euro guard forward. So for me it's just like everyone else, it's just about Luka and then everyone else can do their thing. My my question for them, for Dallas, is is what everyone else doing sustainable? Like Dennis Smith Jr. is currently at thirty six percent from three on four attempts per game, which is somewhat similar to what he did last year. But last year he takes so many more off the dribble threes that like it just blew his percentage like way down. And then Wes Matthews is shooting 40% from three this year on six and a half attempts per game. He's a good shooter, but can he continue to take that many playing over 30 minutes a game Ooh, this a year? That, and I think that's the part for me is that he's had to play so much because he's done well. Like He's performed well enough to garner those minutes. Yeah, he's at 31 a game. Will that sustain though? That's like the big question for me, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it will, and I don't think it will. But is is that going to tear this team down to the point of they miss the playoffs? To the point of like they're a bad team? I'm not, I'm not sure. Can Luca, by the time that does come around, kind of make up for that? Did Smith Jr. make up for that? I don't know. But it's just something to like, kind of keep an eye on, like not to get so high up on the Dallas hype train. I want to, yeah, but I don't think I can quite get there yet. I'm not, I'm in obviously on Luca, but it's the team part that I am not not sure about. Yet. They still need to miss the playoffs. I think. Get, I think so. Get another pick. Get yeah. another pick. Pick. Get another player. Maybe you can trade up and like give up a Wes Matthews or someone yeah. else. To kind of... If it's just like, you know, a couple spots or something to a team that felt like they should have made the playoffs, but, you know, injuries or something happened. Yeah, I could could see that. Going on the idea from last week, is it a bad idea if New Orleans misses the playoffs? And then they they do poorly, trade up with New Orleans and send Wes Matthews in the deal? I don't... Again, these types of things, like, you probably want to hold on to Wes Matthews still... But 
I don't know. He's old like, and still, like, that Achilles injury. Like, you don't know how long yeah. he's going to last. I don't know. It, it's just kind of an interesting yeah. spot for Dallas he's, to be in. He's coming off the books at the end of this year. Oh, okay. So, so you can't really get – you're getting yeah. rid of Wes Matthews anyway. Yeah. Which, again, may be a positive. And maybe that's just going to be, like, the right time that it all ages out. So, yeah. Wes Matthews, interesting player, interesting team, most interesting rookie. But I'm not – again, just a big point, not sure where this leaves Dallas at the end of the year. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to the game of the week. Matt, who do you got for your game of the week? So this isn't going to be the most entertaining game, but I think it's an important game. Houston at Memphis mm-hmm. on Saturday, December 15th, 7 p.m. That's just one of those, like, Houston is currently sitting at 11-14. We've kind of – mention them here and there they have two games they have one tonight um monday night against portland then they have a game against the lakers and then they get you know some time off. and then they have the grizzlies so they only have three games in the next five days five six days that's a, you know something that most nba teams can handle but it's an away game at Memphis. And Memphis is the type of team that Houston does not want to play at all. I think the Grizzlies come out on top. I have 103 to 100 because I don't believe in Houston. And if they drop three straight and Oof. fall to 11 and 17, I, the, the panic button, that might be the panic button game. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I mean, like this day... Coming up to the middle of December, and it's like a make-or-break time now. You have no bench. CP3's been struggling. Hard, or, um, Harden's been playing better. Gordon's been struggling. Clint Capella hasn't done the same as last year. Again, I'm just I'm really curious. Like if Houston just has this mindset of, of course we should beat Memphis. Yeah. And then they don't. Like what happens from there? You can't keep saying, "Oh yeah, we're, we're working on a fix. We're working on it." Like we know it's bad, but you're a third of the way into the season. Yeah, it's no longer like, okay, well they're off to a slow start. This no. is starting to become a. This is the trend. This is you're bad. Yeah, <laughs> you're not a playoff team anymore because there's other teams who have picked it up. Yeah, you got lapped. So um, that's yeah. my game. That's interesting. I've got the Thunder at the Nuggets on Friday, December 14th at 9 p.m. It's on ESPN. Um, We talked about the Nuggets earlier, and the Thunder are kind of an interesting team as well. Kind of coming off of high last week of Paul George, 47-point game and game-winning three. Yeah. Um, Losing to the Bulls, though, which is not good. (laughs) Yeah. uh, so I got the Nuggets winning 118 to the Thunder 103. Um, I feel like the Thunder, that I think they're really good against the bad teams, but so-so against the yeah. good teams. So again, Tough game at Denver. Yeah, at Denver. Um, they play a lot of games this week, too, against a lot of upper-tier teams. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out for the Thunder, but I think the Nuggets are going to end up winning that game. Well, that's all we got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on our uh, whatever platform you find your podcast at, and we'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 10, double digits of the NBA Couch GM Podcast, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you.